Rebels, if all you can see are rainbow flags in the shop windows and born this way blasting from the banks, congratulations! It's Pride Month! And for all my queer and queer adjacent, happy Pride! And for all the big businesses melting under the pressure to rainbow wash and disappear, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Moving on to us. Yeah. So <laughs> we've been in the scene for an obscene amount of time. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Womenvi is influenced by the early 2000s and that adventure. Why don't you tell us about your queer experience? Everyone in the rebel camp has their own story to tell. I would love to hear what yours was. Yeah, um, you know, I was, uh, I came, um, I was birthed as a as a baby gay in the early aughts. Um, you know, arguably the greatest time to be birthed as a baby gay. Um, Kylie Minogue's Fever had just been released. Madonna was still at the top of her game. Um, it was it was a great time to be to be gay, but, um, I didn't have the best time. The high school, um, that I went to a Tobacco Collegiate Institute. Um, I didn't have a very good time there. Um, you might have noticed, uh, from my voice, uh, that I am gay and so did everybody else. So that was, (laughs) I know, as as much as I wanted to um, just never talk so that I wouldn't get called faggot, uh, you know, multiple times a day, I'm also a talker. (laughs) So, you know, it was a double-edged sword. Um, But uh, yeah, didn't, didn't have the best growing up experience in high school. But, but then I found out that there was power in um, performance and also to a certain extent, notoriety. Um, I wrote my, my high school didn't have a, a theater program. There was, there was drama classes, but there was, we didn't do like a play, um, every year or a musical or anything like that. So the only way that I could put on a play is if I wrote it. Yeah. And, um, so I wrote a play and I asked my drama teacher if I could put it on. <laughs> and uh, she <laughs> entered it into the Sears Festival. Um, and I ended up winning a bunch of awards um, in this in this play play festival that happens in I don't know if it's Ontario or if it's yeah, I think it's I think it's all of Ontario. Um, and then my school, uh, commissioned me basically to put it on for the entire school. And this was in my second last year of high school, back when there were five years. Oh God, don't. (laughs) I I remember the five years. (laughs) I was the last year. I was the last year to get five years. I was the last year to have OAC. I was the first year to get four years. So, like, we're, like, one year apart. (laughs) So I'm the old man now. (laughs) You sure are. Putting it out there. (laughs) So so I I put on the play um, for school. It was at nighttime, and kind of the whole school came, and the community, and and Etobicoke. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a really dark play. 
I think my my character died at the end. I think a couple people died. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So one queer student, at least out student in the entire school wrote a play. I need to know every detail about this play. Every detail. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't gay at all. It was, but it was hella dramatic. Oh my God, dramatique. It was about two um, estranged brothers and the younger one had um, had kind of killed the mother in childbirth. The mother had died while giving birth to, to the younger brother and the older brother had always blamed the younger brother. And this animosity like grew between them, kind of ate away at them in their like, you know, respective relationships. And then it ended in murder, I think. Um, during a during a storm, it was called "What a Difference a Day Makes," and uh, that song. Oh my God, is it a Brenda Lee song? That's oh, I, I'm so gay. <laughs> now, 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 I have to quickly look Just up that. Amazing. To, I wasn't expecting to actually talk about this part about it. But um, it was super dramatic and super Oh, no, dramatic. you were 100% talking about this. <laughs> Dinah Washington. It's a Dinah Washington song. And I called it What a Difference a Day Makes. And that song would play through the whole thing. And oh, my God. And then the next day at school, I'm walking down the hallway. And, like, everyone is, like, whispering and pointing and people are coming up being like, Oh my God, your play was amazing. And like guys that had like bullied me and thrown me into lockers and into garbage cans were like, yo man, like you were a star man. That play was sick. And it was just the weirdest thing to like almost weaponize theater <laughs> just to get through high school. <laughs> It's wild because like you really do, like if you give a child the ability to be creative and to use their creativity in a, in a positive way, it makes a huge impact. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Danza, Mrs. Danza was my drama teacher. She was the one who, you know, got me into the Sears festival and encouraged me and, and was so incredible. So Mrs. Danza, um, shout out. And, uh, you know, also a lot of people were like kind of scared of me after that because it was so dark and, and, uh, there was, there was like a respect level that also came with it. And, um, so then, then I be became the, the drama guy and I did another play in, in my last year and, and they created a night, you know, for it. Um, I was kind of expected to, to put something on. Um, so I wrote another play and this one, oh, oh my God, this one was gay. This one was gay as fuck because <laughs> I, 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 I had like, every detail. <laughs> I had like come out in, in grade 12, but by OAC, I was like, I was going to five every weekend. I had a, I had a boyfriend. Um, I was, I was really, <laughs> gay. you know, I was just head to toe club Monaco. You couldn't tell me nothing. And so I called this um, <laughs> play. It was a dance drama. Firstly, let's get that straight. And it was called Human Nature. Oh, my God. Really? A Madonna? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Obsessed. And 
huge chunks of it would just be lyrics. Like they'd have conversations that were just lyrics of um, pop diva songs. And um, there were these big dance numbers to like dance remixes from the Queerest Folk soundtrack. Like it was gay. Would you ever go back to those scripts and re- redo them, re like think maybe this is the one I should put this out somewhere. Like, have you ever considered that? Nope. <laughs> They're not very good. Just straight up. No. Cool. 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 <laughs> but um, funniest thing is that, um, so at the end of the year, um, there is, uh, there's kind of people are voted most likely to blank and there's a ceremony and all the popular kids go to it because they all vote for each other. And, um, you know, they're all most likely to be an athlete, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't go, um, because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't popular and I was tormented by those popular kids for years. Turns out um, I was voted most likely to win an Oscar and they called my name and I wasn't there and I didn't get to have my like triumphant, you know, end of Hollywood teen movie moment. Like the Buffy scene. Yes. (laughs) Class protector. I was also voted um, most likely to have their own TV show. So podcast works. This is fine. Same thing. Same thing. And I, I, I love the fact that you mentioned five because five was a hundred percent my first real club in the scene. And I remember very specifically going to the, uh, the CD launch party for confessions on the dance floor. And it was probably, it is still burned in my brain as being one of like the best nights ever. I was there. Stop. You were not. Yes, I was. Do you remember those two drag Queens? They dressed like Victorian like fashion because they were obviously doing at the time I was very stupid and very newly gay. So I didn't realize they were doing the 1991 Vogue performance, but they, to me, I just saw them looking like how dainty. (laughs) Do you remember those two drag Queens? I can't remember their names, but like they were amazing. (laughs) I would love to say yes, but my memory is very blurry from those days. (laughs) Yeah, there's a reason we don't talk about those days anymore, because we can't remember. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pride is coming up. Congratulations if you're listening to this. It's the middle of Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. And last year, I asked all my Rebel crew and my our guests (laughs) um, what Pride meant to them. So I'd actually love to ask you the same question. What does Pride mean to you? To me, Pride means connection. Connection with other queer people, but also kind of a personal connection to your own queerness. Um, I think during Pride Month, you can kind of, you know, you can ask this question to yourself. Um, And I think kind of a lot of people do. Um, Pride means something different to everyone, but to me... When I think about pride, I think about hope. Um, I think about being a baby gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about that first pride that I went to, and like it was just the most thrilling 
experience of my life up until that moment. Um, you know, there was nothing I could have compared it to. And I think about all the other baby gays that are going to pride for the first time and just like want to cry because it was, it's, it's so invaluable to finally be in a space where you can feel fully your self. Um, you know, you can go to church street on a weekend, but nothing, there's nothing like pride where you're just surrounded by hundreds and thousands of people like you or, or people that are coming to support you. Um, it's very easy to become jaded. Um, I think especially being queer, um, as queer people, uh, you know, we don't always have it easy and, I think that can sort of slip in and can chip away at some of that, that hope and that, that optimism um, and not just from outside sources, but also within the queer community itself. Um, but it's, there's something about, about pride, you know, that, that can, can really melt away at that jadedness. And I, and I know, and I know there, there's been prides where I've said, Oh, I'm over pride this year, but I'll slap anyone, myself included. If you say that you're over it, because we can't ever be over it. I love that sentiment. A hundred percent agree. I remember my very first pride as a baby gay um, going to Aqua and being so excited because small town boys, uh, there was a couple of us running around and we were just super excited in our cargo shorts and our like deep V's. And then we get to Aqua and there's this huge pool party, but no one's in the water because everyone is just watching themselves watch each other and they're just you know in their outfits so four small town baby gays idiots throw each other into the pool splashing everybody they're getting so upset but i'm like why are you here like why why aren't you dancing why aren't you moving this is a pool we're here for a reason (laughs) i wasn't jaded by the etiquette or the uh the scene yet so i was just like (laughs) i'm just gonna jump in this pool and now I'm back to I'm just going to jump in this pool because I'm old enough to be like have fun. <laughs> you've you've come full circle. <laughs> I went from acting a fool to being in the scene to acting a fool but knowing the scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, N- knowing it, uh, having lived it, having lived, ex- having that lived experience. Um, I oh my my first pride. I, I basically lived at Zelda's. Um, Zelda's was the most magical place oh, on Zelda's. Church Street. And I was there every night, like Tuesday to Sunday. Oh, it was amazing. Alas, RIP Zelda's. RIP Zelda's. Honestly, like my my weeks were, I think Wednesday was, was Alibi, which was in the village and then on Young Street. You probably remember uh-huh. that one. And uh-huh. then Thursdays was... Cruise? No, sorry. Thursdays was Woody's. Fridays was Cruise. Saturdays was Buddies. Sundays was Woody's again. Sundays. Just, and then just repeat. Sundays was <laughs> It Nightclub. Did you ever go to It Nightclub? No. Where was that? That was, it's now the Jazz Condos. It was just a little south of Church and um, Church and Dundas. Oh, I know where the jazz condos are. And I think it's funny because I think probably around that time is when I started going to fly from time to time before it was fly 2.0. And I refused to go out of principle because you don't (laughs) make a big end of end of a lifetime, end of a era bullshit nonsense, and then come back three weeks later with fly 2.0 and an extra lounge. It's like, you can go 
just take a wide berth fuck yourself. <laughs> so pissed off. <laughs> Out of principle. Well, now it's a pun. So so- it was it was a weird experience seeing the inside from the outside, especially when you spent so many weekends there and you're like, I was standing there when I met this person. I was standing there when this drag queen performed. Like, it's so strange seeing all of these queer historic places in our village just melting away, you know, and now it's just a high rise or a subway entrance or, you know, some it's weird. It's it's everything is aging. <laughs> mm-hmm. But one thing I did love that you said was that uh, pride meant to you that connection. And I think that one of the things that I'm super excited for, and I'm sure you are too, is that you're actually part of the the 25th annual PWA friends for life bike rally. And if for people who don't know, and, and Mark will explain, it is a huge event. Uh, it's, it, it's a massive thing. Mark, can you actually tell us more about the bike rally and sort of what happens and what it's for? Yeah. Um, it started, uh, 25 years ago. Um, as you, as you said, this is the 25th anniversary and, um, basically every August, um, a group of people cycle six days, 600 kilometers, from Toronto to Montreal to raise money for the People with AIDS Foundation. And um, it now also um, benefits um, AIDS foundations in um, Kingston and also in Montreal. Um, so it's really, it's started to really spread its reach to other parts, um, which is amazing. Um, and it is this wonderful, magical experience um life-changing really experience um and also we raised last year i think we rose raised 1.6 million dollars for um aid services and uh it started uh when it started uh i know that david linton was one of the founders um there's another co-founder whose name is escaping me right now but uh it was just a a ragtag uh, group of uh of people there's this is a small group that um just i think something like they raised 44,000 in their first year and now it's in the millions um and uh now i think we get close to 250 300 people that that do the rally now I have such respect for anyone who can who can cycle from Toronto to Montreal, and not only that, but doing it for such a great cause. And I know that at, for all our listeners, that one of the biggest events um, in Toronto is the Red Dress Ball, um, which is another sort of fundraising event for the the bike rally. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And what what is the experience like? What sort of like training do you have to do? Because I know that a lot of you guys are, or a lot of you people are. I'll say that again because that sounded strange. I know that a lot of people who are involved in this have to do a lot of fundraising. And can you tell me about like the experience of like prepping for this event for like the, the the workouts? Like, what do you have to do to make sure that your body and your mind are ready to do such? It's like a huge feat, right? Um, I was not a cyclist in any way, shape, or form. Um, I hadn't been on a bike probably since I was like 10 years old, I want to say. Um, but I knew that I wanted to um, do this. I knew I wanted to give back to the PWA. 
Um, and so I started training in February and the ride is in August. It started just with spin classes that the PWA actually puts on. So they, um, they put on free spin classes at the central YMCA. So just started small like that. I had to buy a bike. I had to, you know, buy all the gear that you need to cycle. Um, and then I had to learn how to cycle. Um, you know, riding a road bike is a lot different than, you know, the, the little mountain bike that I had when I was a kid. Um, so I did a bunch of training rides that the PWA also mm-hmm. organizes. Um, you know, it's, I started off with doing like 60 K I wish I had started with a smaller, um, route, but I started with 60 K and it almost killed me. But each time I almost died, <laughs> I just came back stronger. So, <laughs> um, because I wasn't a cyclist and there are lots of cyclists that, that do do it, but I'm, I wasn't, I wasn't one of them. And so I had to really learn as I go, uh, as I went. Um, and, uh, this will now be my fifth year doing the bike rally. And I have to say, I'm, I'm not a bad cyclist anymore. I was not good at first, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, think I'm, I could hold my own now. <laughs> I mean, I would have to say, if you've been doing it for five years, I think your cycling is is above and beyond my my capabilities by far. I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate you coming and not only talking about Womb Envy and your experiences, but then reliving the queer scene with me in a, in a really not sad way, because we're not old, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're not being phased out. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. And to all our listeners, please make sure you go out and watch Womb Envy on Out TV. You can also go and donate to Mark's bike rally over at bikerally.org. And then under donate, it's Mark Keller, correct? Yeah. Perfect. So make sure you do that. And also watch Womb Envy and then come back next week where we'll talk more about Geisha because that's who I am as a person. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. If you want to find me on Instagram, it's XNDRA underscore D-E-S-I-G-N, XNDRA underscore design. I would love your feedback, comments, hate mail, whatever you got for me. But let me know it's podcast related because I get a lot of weird things in my inbox. Hey, everyone. It's me, Bear Sailor Moon. You can find me on all social media platforms at Bear Sailor Moon. Including Scroff. If you want to find that, uh, you can search me at Starfox. I like that it's still not your real name. No. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Jennikin underscore. Or if you have an MX Black card, you can send me a DM. They are open. It's not just the DM that's open, sweetheart. Well, it depends on the net worth. That <laughs> <laughs> opens other avenues. I have a moon kingdom. Does that count as net worth? Oh. Better yet, I think it's more important to ask how wide are those avenues. You can find me on all social media at C-A-R-L-O-T-T-A-C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. Amazing she can still spell that far up in, like, fame. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Chad. Follow me on Instagram at C-S-K-I-O-1. Or you could buy me a pizza. I just want pizza coupons. I will also accept pizza coupons. I guess that means I have to say something funny. Shit. (laughs) I'm not sharing my pizza with you. Okay, I will. I will, I swear. (laughs) You can find me at Julia Lynch on Instagram and on Twitter. 
and you can find me, SJ Maroney, on Instagram. Find us on Facebook and Instagram under RWACPOD. Join our Patreon for all of our archive seasons and bonus content, and please rate and review this podcast wherever you subscribe. Until next time, go Steelers. Go Steelers.